Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on this lovely Monday night. Let me see if I get my camera right tonight. The problem is that my computer sits up too close to the shelf up here. And if I push it up too high, you can see the shelf, which is not what we're going for. So tonight we're going to start out talking about Florida because I know I am where you go for your ultimate Florida news. There are a few different things going on in Florida right now. Most interesting to me is the fact that Publix, which I'm, which I have come to know and love, it's a wonderful grocery store down here full of nice stuff, too expensive to go on every single occasion, but they're a cool, fun grocery store that has neat products. They are not going to sell hurricane cakes anymore, and I could not be more offended. Um, we're going to look at what hurricane cakes are. We're going to look at some examples from recent years. We're going to see why they're not selling hurricane cakes anymore. We're going to look at Governor DeSantis' warning to the state of Florida as far as Hurricane Idalia is concerned. Um, Idalia is forecast to make landfall on Wednesday as a major hurricane. So I think it's a Category 4 hurricane they're expecting. Although, not sure. We'll see what happens. Something like 33 um, counties in northwestern Florida are on emergency precautions, um, which basically just means the governor is calling on people to get prepared, to have all the food they need, to be like batting down the hatches, put up your hurricane blinds and everything, make sure um, you are good to go should the worst happen to your house. Uh, username says, I've been offline all day and I'm now very curious about it. Yes, there's a lot going on. Um, we're just going to take it as it comes. I don't know if I have enough energy to go for a full hour tonight, but we'll see what we can do. So let's look at this from Governor DeSantis, who is currently in the state for a very sad state of affairs, which we will cover in a bit. We're going to start a little lighthearted and then get sad. So Governor DeSantis tweets out, his account tweets out, as of 5 p.m., Idalia is forecast to make landfall at Florida's Big Bend on Wednesday as a major hurricane. For those in the potential paths of the storm, stay tuned for updates and heed all evacuation orders. Yes, very important. And it's important to evacuate early if you are ordered to evacuate so that you can miss the traffic. So this is Big Bend. As you can see, this red mark here, I'm circling with my mouse. Um, that's where it's going to hit the brunt of it. And it's going to go across a bunch of these southern states, which is really interesting. Looks like it's going to go across Georgia and both of the Carolinas and then back out into the ocean. So it's possible that it weakens significantly over the course of that journey. But people are at risk right now up north. And I do have friends up there, so I hope they're staying safe and hunkering down. Hurricane force winds are expected across portions of far western Cuba tonight. Heavy rainfall is also expected across portions of western Cuba and may produce areas of flash and urban flooding as well as landslides. So, yeah, 100%. Username says Publix is a bunch of party poopers. When I lived on an island, typhoon parties were the norm. It verged on being a cultural thing there. It absolutely was. So we're going to look at what hurricane cakes are now. And yes, you guessed it. Why they're being removed. The most infuriating reason possible. Look at this cool cake that says Hurricane Irma. Leave Florida alone. Yep. Really awesome. There was one I saw that said, go away, Ian. Go away, Dorian. Yeah. So this is quite the tradition for them. But the supermarket will no longer be baking the cake, citing sensitivity concerns in light of the numerous deaths caused by Hurricane Ian and Hurricane Nicole last fall. So this is a very recent thing because as far as I know, people in Florida have been at risk of being <laughs> taken out by hurricanes pretty much ever since Florida has existed. But just now we've decided that it's not okay to celebrate, for example, pulling through a hurricane in one piece 
making it through with your family, making it through with all your belongings. You're not allowed to celebrate that anymore. Now, I thought this was really fun because I don't know of any other meteorological events that are celebrated with cakes like this. I think it's funny. I think it's fun. I like that they're all this bluish green color of the ocean that you have on those meteorological um, you know, those screens that the, the weatherman uses, you can see this really cool, <laughs> really well done picture of Hurricane Irma. Yep. Go away, Ian. There's a surfboard. You can't really see the hurricane as such, but yeah, really disappointed <laughs> if it spins, it wins. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Um, yeah, really disappointed that Publix has decided to put people's feelings above this time honor tradition of hurricane cakes in Florida. And I'm sure that it's the same in Louisiana. Here's one that's asking a question about Louisiana local groceries or bakeries. Any Louisiana? Oh, it says LA. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say, I imagine that in California, they're just starting to get a a taste of hurricane cakes over there too. I think it's really funny that they got to experience their own hurricane, but it wasn't too, too bad, I don't think. But anyway, I just wanted to point it out that we're not allowed to have any fun down here anymore, apparently, because some people get their feelings hurt about this stuff. And I think that's nonsense. I think if you survive a hurricane, you are entitled to celebrate it 100%. Um, Serenko says, why are people so sensitive nowadays? Because they're allowed to be and because people cater to it. They really do. And it really sucks all the fun out of everything. Like I was talking to some friends about this the other day. You are actually, I was talking to Brett from Pop Culture Crisis. Me and Andy and Brett have our own uh, little group chat. Obviously, of course we do. We have with all our friends. Um, we were talking about how the left has made it impossible to talk about anything with anyone. Okay. So you're not, not allowed to talk about the weather. Right. Because I was pointing out that I don't I try not to talk about the weather of people because it's eventually going to devolve into talk about climate change, etc. And you can't talk about sports because you're going to get into all of the oh my gosh, all the ridiculous race aspects of that. You can't talk about movies. You can't talk about anything. And we're like, yeah, there's nothing left to talk about because it immediately gets political. It's horrible. There's no safe ground. There's no escape from this kind of stuff. And it's depressing. It really is. Serenka says, Brett's great. Absolutely. Hello, Lori. It's actually good that they're so sensitive, says Hero Abel. That way I can be very much unsensitive with telling jokes. One of the things that people were pointing out with the hurricane cake thing is that you should take this opportunity to go to your local baker and get a hurricane cake there. Publix is not the only bakery in the state. There are lots of other options and you should definitely go out and use some of them. Yes, sensitivity concerns are indeed lame. Andy is skating again. Yes, we're loving it. Um, it, There are a lot more safety restrictions in Florida than I was expecting. I was expecting Florida to be kind of the wild, wild west. You to be able to do everything, but they've got everything kind of locked down. You got to wear helmets, all this other stuff. Really surprising to me, but we are finding places to skate and we're making it happen. And Andy's getting back into skating shape and having a good time doing so having a good time getting out with Dot. She's getting socialized at the skate parks and all that good stuff. Anyway, no more hurricanes. (laughs) Here's a really good one. I have to show you guys this one. This one looks homemade. This one says, oh lord, he coming, which I love (laughs) because I don't know if you guys have seen the memes of the super, super chunky cats and dogs. And that's the byline on these memes that, oh lord, he coming. It's no joke. (laughs) 
<laughs> Serenko says, can I force a baker to make a gay cake, but not the hurricane cake? SMH. Yes. I wonder if you could force a baker to bake a hurricane cake. I really kind of wish that somebody would try this. Andy says, children need to fall and hurt themselves or they will never grow the physical and psychological toughness. They'll need to be effective adults. I think what you mean to say is they'll never grow the mental fortitude to be able to tolerate hurricane cakes and the horrible feelings trotting whatever that hurricane cakes bring to the foray. But I just wanted to point that out. I just thought it wasn't fair that we finally get down here and no more hurricane cakes. Disappointing. LOL. F O L copter says, what does a cat do at the skate park? Dot is not a cat unless that's a riddle. In which case I don't know what a cat does at a skate park. I can't imagine much. A cat would get super stressed because it's loud. Uh, let's see. Exactly. Andy says, Lori, I remember the first time I fell off my skateboard and had blood gushing from my nose. LOL. Yeah, 100%. Um, Hero says, was very much bullied as a child and that actually helped me. Yeah, Ben Shapiro was too. And I definitely think that gave him a thicker skin. And I think he would tell you the same. I doubt he intends to protect his children from bullying at all costs. So good for him. All right, you guys, let's talk about the possible impeachment in September. Very interesting point. You know what? I wanted to open this second article because, oh no, where did it go? Crap. I don't know where it is. Oh yeah. National Archives is acknowledging. Oh yeah. That's going to be fun. All right. We'll get into that in just a minute. Jim Jordan hints house headed toward Biden impeachment inquiry in September. Quote. So yeah, I do think it's likely that we get to that point based on, based on the facts and evidence that we're uncovering. He declared. Shh. Silence. House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan, Republican of Ohio, on Monday suggested that the Republican-led House of Representatives will likely move toward an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden when Congress reconvenes in September. I don't know why we have to wait that long, but here we are. Appearing on The Great America Show, Jordan told host Lou Dobbs that mounting evidence against the Biden family was pushing the chamber toward a resolution to begin such an inquiry. I think we're very close, Lou. I really do. I would not be surprised at all if we have that resolution in September sometime when we're back in Congress, back in session, have that resolution and have a vote on it, he said. Now the key, excuse me, is if we're going to do that, you need to see, he repeats himself a lot. And I've said in the past that I hate reading stuff that's taken from um, spoken word because it doesn't make a lot of sense when it's transcribed. In fact, one of the things I do when I'm transcribing words that other people say is try to kind of tweak them a little bit to make them more understandable as a written word. Trung Samson says, Best measure of health of a democracy is a percentage of people who feel free to say what they actually think in public, and we're doing terrible on that metric, and that was Vivek Ramaswamy. He has some good points. He does say, as Andy points out, a lot of nice things, but he also changes his mind approximately 15 times a day, and I do not have much respect for that. He seems to be kind of putting his finger to the wind and testing which way it's blowing to kind of get the most attention. Uh, Let's see here. We need to see if the full conference is supportive of that because we're not going to get any Democrat support and it should be driven by the facts, driven by the Constitution. I do think if that's the direction we're headed, I do think that is the direction we're headed because the evidence, the left always says, oh, there's no evidence of Joe Biden. There's tons of evidence out there, he asserted. There are 20 different companies. There's nine different family members getting paid. There's the WhatsApp message. There's 10% for the big guy email. There's the testimony of Devin Archer. There's the dinners, the phone calls, the meetings, for goodness sake. And he is, of course, correct. And if you guys have been tracking that, 
there is overwhelming evidence that the entire Biden family is 100% compromised. And then there's actions Joe Biden took five days after that meeting in Dubai between Burisma officials and Hunter Biden and Devin Archer. Five days later, he goes to Kiev and attacks the prosecutor there, the very prosecutor who our State Department said was doing fine. He continued, and they were willing to give $1 billion of American taxpayer funds to Ukraine. There's that. If that's not evidence, I don't know what is. I do think it's likely we get to that point based on facts and evidence we're uncovering. So speaking of those facts and evidence, the facts and evidence that we're uncovering there, let's look at this article next. National Archive acknowledges 5,400 Biden pseudonym emails and is now facing a lawsuit for their release. Dun, dun, dun. National Archives and Records Administration acknowledged possessing potentially up to 5,400 emails connecting to then-Vice President Joe Biden's pseudonym accounts that he used to forward government information and discuss business with his son, Hunter Biden, and others. And on Monday, the Southeastern Legal Foundation filed a lawsuit to compel the agency to turn over the emails. Mm-hmm. The nonprofit constitutional legal group that filed the lawsuit said the archives confirmed that Biden used the pseudonyms of Robert Ware, Robert L. Peters, and J.R.B. Ware during his time in the Obama administration. The archives' admissions confirmed years of reporting from Just the News about Biden's use of personal email as vice president and the pseudonymous accounts he used. The Legal Foundation first filed a Freedom of Information Act request to the archives for Biden's emails in 2021 on behalf of Justin News Editor-in-Chief John Solomon. Legal Foundation renewed its initial request last year with a second FOIA request, but the archives had, quote, failed to produce a single one of these emails. Mm -hmm. Monday's lawsuit turns up the pressure on the archive to release the documents. All too often, public officials abuse their power by using it for their personal or political benefit. Right. And this is more or less exactly what Hillary Clinton did. If you guys recall, Hero says, I'm sad because I know that Biden and Hunter will not spend one day behind bars. Well, we'll see how bad this can get for him. I'm not sold on the idea that they'll be imprisoned either. But at the same time, I personally don't really like the idea of imprisoning our political opposition. I think it's kind of a bad precedent, whether it's from the right or from the left. However, with that being said, they have done some truly egregious things. So at this point, I'm just curious how we how far we can push it. Right? I'm just curious how far we can get. So we'll just have to see in that regard. The only way to preserve government integrity is for NARA to release Biden's nearly 5,400 emails to SLF and thus the public. The American public deserves to know what is in them. Correct. The Legal Foundation is not the only group trying to obtain Biden's excuse me, emails. Earlier this month, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer asked the archives to turn over Biden's communications vice president with his son, and his business partners. Ooh, I wonder if they said yes or no to that. That is kind of interesting. Oh, I hate the ads on Just the News, but I do like Just the News. That is John Solomon's publication, and they, their title is Just the News. No noise, and I respect and appreciate that for sure. I think that's very, very important what they're doing over there, and I appreciate um, John Solomon for sure. Just forgot his name for a second. John the Blank. All right, you guys, we are about 15 minutes into the show. And I think we are safe to talk about this because this is super, super interesting. Um, this is something that just came across my radar it's from the Daily Mail. We are going to talk about this because they're talking about bringing COVID restrictions back. And for those of you who loved the COVID restrictions in 2020, I hope you're ready for part two going into 2024 because that's just how it's going to be. 99% of COVID deaths not primarily caused by the virus. 
according to CDC data. In the week ending August 19th, COVID was primarily ca- primary cause of just 1.7 of virus deaths. During the peak of the pandemic, 30% of virus deaths listed COVID as the primary cause. Interesting. So, uh, the figure suggests just a handful of American lives are being lost directly to the virus each week. For comparison, the virus was behind one in three COVID deaths at the America's pandemic peak in 2021. Uh, I gotta be honest. I don't know which of these numbers was more shocking to me. The fact that just 1.7% of virus accredited deaths are actually COVID at this point, or the fact that only 30% of virus accredited deaths were COVID at the peak of the pandemic. That to me is a crazy enough number. So let's read a little bit more. The primary underlying causes of death is defined as a disease situation or event that initiated the chain of events directly resulting in deaths. It's very specific. Checks out. Primary or underlying cause of death is defined right disease situation. People wearing masks wait to enter the Memorial Regional Hospital in Hollywood, Florida. Complications of the primary cause of death are usually considered secondary causes when doctors register a death certificate. And you know what? I'm going to pull something else up about masks. Uh, we're going to talk about masks a little bit. And it's <laughs> it's very interesting. We're getting a lot of kind of conflicting advice about this. And I want to talk about um, N95 chemicals. They are finding, or they have known for some time that, yeah, this is interesting. So this is from the National Institute of Health. A mask study published by the NIH suggests N95 COVID masks may expose wearers to dangerous levels of toxic compounds linked to seizures and cancer. Now we are going to talk about forever chemicals when it comes to a different type of safety slash eco-friendly type thing, namely paper straws in just a minute. There are a lot of these chemicals floating around. You have to be super careful, but this is very interesting to me since this is what we were told to do for the last three years, basically. So let's read a little bit. The surgical N95 mask has been held up as the gold standard when it comes to protecting against COVID, but a study quietly reshared by the National Institute of Health in spring suggested the tight-fitting mask may expose users to dangerous levels of toxic chemicals. Shocking. Researchers at a university in South Korea looked at two types of disposable medical-grade masks as well as several reusable cotton masks. The study found that the chemicals released by these masks has eight times the recommended safety limit of toxic, volatile, organic compounds, TVOCs. Inhaling TVOCs has been linked to health issues from headaches to nausea, while prolonged and repeated use has been linked to organ damage and even cancer. Mm -hmm. Shocking. And this came out in April. April! It is clear that particular attention must be paid to the VOCs associated with the use of KF94 medical masks in their effects on human health, the researchers wrote in the study published in April. However, there are ways to reduce the danger, they said. Exposure can be significantly reduced if a mask is open and left to sit for at least 30 minutes, the researchers wrote. Right. But the average user, I think, in the U.S. is not going to do that. I think they're just going to take it out and throw it on and think that they're doing the best thing for themselves. And it would have been nice to have known this at the start of all this. People should not have been put in this position. And with the way we're discovering and learning stuff about this kind of thing, I don't think it's safe to say that we know for sure that this actually does solve the problem. I don't think you should be putting anything like that, even that close to your face at all. 
And I don't think I'm, I'm crazy for saying that. But as far as the chemicals go, I'm going to get ahead of myself here, but we already know they're everywhere. They're in the water. Microplastics are in everything. I just was reading that. I think that they just found them in somebody's lungs at some point and people are being born with them and there's just no escape, right? So we had asbestos, we had lead, and now we have microplastic and they're just these environmental factors that there's nothing we can do about. Literally nothing. It's in drinking water. It's like in tap water. There's no escape. So I mean, you can be as crunchy as you want, but at the end of the day, you're probably just going to make life more expensive for yourself if you're trying to avoid this stuff. And Andy was telling me yesterday that I think that they're starting to put some of this mRNA stuff into organic produce, which is extremely disturbing. But at the same time, we already know that the produce that we get today is significantly less full of nutrients than it was like 50 years ago. And it just feels like you're fighting a losing battle. Like, especially for me, like I'm going into pregnancy and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to be healthy. I'm going to eat the stuff that I want to eat. But at the same time, I'm going to focus on whole foods, trying to make sure I'm eating organic, trying to stay away from fast food as much as possible and trying to make sure that the baby has the best start on life possible, right? It makes it hard when you're supposed to stay hydrated and you know for a fact that the water that you're drinking is full of microplastic. Like there's no point. Just no point. Absolutely none, which is really, really frustrating. In the latest study, researchers tested 14 disposable and cloth masks purchased online by measuring the amount of TVOCs in them. The disposable masks were KFAD and KF94 models, which were made from thermoplastics, polypropylene, and polyurethane nylon. These masks have been popularized in South Korea, where the study was conducted, whereas KN95s are more popular in the U.S. But the differences are minuscule. KFADs and KF94s filter 94% of particles, while KF95s filter 95 So I didn't realize that the number corresponded to how much they were supposed to take out of the air. That's really interesting. The disposable masks contain up to 14 times the TVOCs than cotton masks. I gotta be honest, cotton masks are not enough to stop the spread of airborne illnesses. When we, I talk about this all the time, we had reverse, what was it, negative pressure rooms that we had set up for people who might possibly come into the hospital that had, might have tuberculosis. Tuberculosis is airborne, it's highly infectious, and COVID would have been treated in the same way. You do not take the precaution of a flimsy paper or plastic mask when it comes to something like, or sorry, a a thin and flimsy cotton or paper mask when it comes to an airborne disease like tuberculosis. You just don't. You take much more serious precautions. You take actual precautions. You take serious filtration masks when it comes to these highly, highly infectious, really, really um, lethal diseases. But let's see here. Oh, let's see what the chats say. Rainwater, that's scary. Yes, microplastics are, in fact, in everything. They're in everything. There is no escape. Paper straws do taste like chemicals. Let's talk about that next since we've got a minute. Let me close out of this ad. That's silly. Uh, not so eco-friendly, question mark. Paper straws contain more forever chemicals than plastic, according to a new study. How shocking. Not a fan of those paper straws that have replaced disposable plastic ones in the name of being eco-friendly. As it turns out, some of those efforts to save the environment may have been in vain. I am as shocked as you are, you are guys, 
Because I thought that if we did something that kids told us to do, because don't get me wrong, this was put into place in the U.S. because kids came out and said, I crunched the numbers and I found out that if we all stopped using straws, we'll save 100 sea turtles or whatever. And we were like, yes, that's good enough. That's who we want leading us. We just want kids to tell us what to do. And this is exactly what happened as a result. I'm not surprised and I don't think you should be either. In a new study published Thursday in the Journal of Food Additives and Contaminants found evidence of forever chemical PFAs per and polyfluoroalkyl substances in the majority of both paper and bamboo straws tested. Scientists in Belgium tested 39 brands of straws made of paper, bamboo, plastic, and stainless steel found in shops, supermarkets, and restaurants across the country. Of the straws tested, almost all contained some com- com- concentration, concentration, Okay, it's not just me not being able to read, it's also USA Today not being able to spell, which are often used during manufacturing to make products water-resistant. Out of the total 39 tested, the chemicals were detected in 27, none of which were stainless steel. That's right, stainless steels are probably the best choice for reusable straws, and that's what Andy and I have. Paper straws, on the other hand, were the most likely to contain PFAs, with 18 out of 20 or 90% of paper brands testing positive. They were also found in 4 out of 5 bamboo straws, 3 out of 4 plastic straws, and 2 out of 5 glass straws. Interesting. So, plastic and glass straws are less likely to have these in them, whereas paper straws are extremely likely to have them in them. And so are bamboo straws. 18 different PFAs were detected in total, though overall in low concentrations. The chemicals most commonly found, however, was perfluorooctanoic acid, which was banned globally in 2020. These eco-friendly plant-based straws are not necessarily a more sustainable alternative to plastic straws, said the study's conclusion, because it can be considered as an additional source of PFAs, exposure in humans and the environment, e.g. after degradation in landfills or through incomplete incineration. The study also discovered PFAs that are known to be highly water-soluble, meaning they have potential to bleed from the straw into a drink, but did not investigate this component further. Well, it sounds like they really should, because I suspect as you're drinking, if you're letting the straw sit in the drink for any length of time at all, you're getting a lot of those chemicals directly into your drink, and that strikes me as not a particularly positive turn of events. Now, on this count, we're just going to segue from one to the next. We see that paper straws are bad. Let's read about how California's attempt to get rid of plastic bags is going right now. Multiple analyses find California plastic bag ban is failing. Majority of consumers still opt not to bring their own bags to reuse for shopping. Yeah, because it's hard to remember. This is something we had to do in Massachusetts, right? You have to bring your own bag or you have to pay for a paper bag. Very infrequently, they will give you a kind of thicker reusable plastic bag, which I infinitely preferred. The paper bags constantly broke. I never remembered to bring my own bags. It was just so frustrating. California's ban on thin plastic bags is a failure as thicker recyclable replacement bags are largely unable to be recycled in California. Uh Uh-huh. And the majority of consumers still opt not to bring their own bags to reuse for shopping, according to an LA Times analysis. Additional analyses have also found increases in purchases of plastic trash bags chips away at the plastic saving from single-use plastic bag bans. The pounds of plastic bags per capita placed in landfills has increased since the beginning of the ban, and many of the alternatives to single-use plastic bags typically end up being worse for the environment. So just like paper straws, these non-plastic bags turn out to be (laughs) worse for the environment. Planet Fatness says, thank you for your super chat, sir. Let's try and find a local spring you can get water from. I trust clean water out of the ground more than water from city and pipes. Yeah, 100%. 
Completely agree. I know there are lots of cool springs in Florida. I don't know if any of them are fresh water. We'll have to see what happens. But yeah, we're super interested in finding a kind of affordable alternative to what we're currently drinking, which is just city tap water. I was raised on well water. I really liked it. I appreciated it. To me, all city water now tastes bad. <laughs> so I view that as a bit of a disadvantage. But um, it still, I felt, was much better for me to be raised without the influence of city tap water on my growing, growing body. All right, let's see what their conclusion is here. These are always kind of long. In terms of environmental impacts on the climate side, single-use bags are quite efficient compared to thicker plastics or paper bags and significantly more efficient than cotton tote bags that are hundreds of single-use plastic bags worth of emissions, says Ethan Brown, environmental expert and founder of and host of PBS-affiliated environmental information podcast The Sweaty Penguin in an interview with the Center Square. While plastic as a whole is a big issue specifically targeting that kind of plastic bag is in that way may not be having the desired outcome. Well, this is what happens when you take a super myopic view of stuff like, for example, plastic bags or plastic straws and you decide to push against it really, really hard. And then it turns out in five months that you're wrong about it and that your conclusion is not the right option. Um, Stevie says, yeah, there was a big lie about saving the trees and switching to plastic. Paper bags are made from the waste produced from the production of lumber and all the trees are replanted. Interesting. Username says, when I lived in Japan, they implemented a 10 cent fee for each plastic bag because they were pushing reusable bag. I paid that fee every time I went shopping. Yes. Yeah. I did the same in Massachusetts for sure because I just wanted a bag. I don't care if it costs a couple extra cents every time I'm at the... I mean, it, it does add up after time, but at the same time, it's just, it's frustrating not to be able to get good bags. Um, on the topic of masks, Autumn says, I just use my backpack. That's a pretty good idea. On the topic of masks, which we just mentioned, I want to refer you guys back again to Florida. So we're bouncing around a little bit here, but it all ties together in the end. Florida Surgeon General calls on American public to refuse to participate in mask mandates. Look at this. This is what happens when you have a well-run state. You hire good people who say powerful things that make a difference to the people who listen to them. Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph A. Ladapo is currently on, is, cur- is calling on mass civil disobedience if public health experts once again try to impose mask mandates despite those non-pharmaceutical interventions, excuse me, having failed spectacularly to stop the spread of COVID-19 in the U.S. and sp- throughout the world. Specifically, Florida's chief health official has urged the public to oppose the terrible policies surrounding mask mandates and advised Americans to not abide by renewed masking requirements. What do you call reimposing mask policies that have been proven ineffective or restarting lockdowns that are known to cause harm? He questioned on Twitter slash X. You don't call it sanity. These terrible policies only work with your cooperation. How about refusing to participate? That is a great tweet. Oh no, it's gone. No, come back. I want the tweet. It's gone forever. I'm disappointed. It looks like it might be deleted. <laughs> I'm glad they caught a shot of it. The guidance is from Ladapo. The guidance from Ladapo is issued at a time when education and institutions, healthcare facilities, and commercial enterprises nationwide are beginning to reinstate mask requirements. This renewed call for mask mandates is a reaction to alarmism in the mainstream media and from some scientific experts about purported rise in COVID subvariant crises. Well, as we were just reading in our previous article, it turns out that 99% of COVID deaths are not primarily caused by the virus. And this is not according to your Uncle Joe, right? This is according to the CDC. 
the National Institute of Health saying similar things. And it's just, it is nothing but alarmism at this point. And it feels very, very tired. And I feel like people are exhausted, but we'll see what happens. I guess too much COVID talks. Are tweets still called tweets? The name change is confusing. Yeah, I think they're called posts now. They're called posts on X because whenever you want to go into X and be like, I'm going to share this article, it says uh, repost. Yeah. So it doesn't say retweet anymore. It says repost. So this is really interesting too. And this also ties into uh, Florida. So we'll talk about that in just a minute. Autumn says, I'm still going to call them tweets. Calling them X's is just dumb. I agree. (laughs) Uh, Not sure if you can remove forever chemicals. I think that you can't. I think that's why they're called forever chemicals, but I don't know much about them. Uh, If you're you're that worried, just boil tap water to remove impurities. That is not how it works, unfortunately. In fact, you have to buy a very special filter to make sure you get everything out of it. There aren't many filters that will get rid of everything that we personally want out of our tap water. Like we don't want fluoride. We don't want obviously microplastics or all of this other permanent stuff that's in there. Now you can't just boil it. You can boil it to get rid of bacteria that's in the water. That's one thing that works for that. But I don't think that, um, I don't think that boiling it is enough. Uh, Rungham Samson says on X sounds like my raving days. Yes, it does. We're not going to be saying on X at all. I wanted to refer you guys to, this is kind of interesting, and I'm going to get a little bit conspiratorial here now since we're later on in the show. So let me close this. This is a very sad story. This is the story of a raving lunatic psychopath who went into a Dollar General and shot three people who ended up dying and then also himself. And I obviously cannot possibly condone this. This is incredibly distressing and disturbing and horrifying. However, I will tell you right now that the circumstances surrounding this particular shooting are very, very, very convenient to people on the left. And as we have just been seeing very clearly, the deep state, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, all very much in bed together, all very much on the side of the Democrat ruling elite. Now, I'm going to read my tweet, and you guys may discard it at will, as you so desire, but I would like to present you with some of the details about that. Here I thought the FBI was facing a dire shortage of violent white supremacists when here comes an unidentified shooter, but they know where he lived, and that he was Baker Acted in 2017. So a Baker Act is, the Baker Act is where you can involuntarily commit someone for a psychological issue. I would then go on to say he was even nice enough to paint a swastika on his AR-15. Isn't that neat? It could not be easier to connect those dots. We have been told AR-15s are the evil gun and we know that all white supremacists paint their swastikas on everything. I don't know if you guys recall this, but there was a I think there was a Hindu white supremacist who tried to drive into the White House with this box truck. And in his box truck, he actually had a crisp, almost brand new, unopened Nazi flag they laid out beside his truck after he was arrested. And I was just like, that's crazy. He's exactly what we thought he would be. He is a Nazi, died in the wool, with a swastika to tell us how much of a Nazi he is, to tell us exactly what his motivations are. 
I'm going to try to pull that up in just a minute. Let me finish here. I then went on to say he also had a handgun just to make sure we get the message that it is all guns. And of course, this is in Florida, where in July they introduced permitless carry and where the governor is currently running against Biden as the single most conservative candidate in the race. So since I posted that, DeSantis has been booed when he went to a vigil to commemorate the lives of the people who died there. And most irritating to me, because I am on the right side of the aisle, is that Team Trump took it upon themselves to join the Democrats in booing DeSantis because he is, after all, DeSantis, he is their sworn enemy. So Laura Loomer was crack on the case, talking about he doesn't deserve not to be booed. He, it was good that they booed him. He's disingenuous, etc. Utter nonsense. You know, what's really funny about that, too, is that a Democrat actually stepped in and told the people who were booing to stop. We're all on the same team. When we face tragedies like this in Florida, we are all on the same team. A party doesn't matter anymore. We come together to make sure that this kind of thing, it doesn't happen in the future. I went on to say, oh yeah, and this little side note, I point out that a minimum of four victims shot, either injured or killed, not including the shooter who may also have been killed or injured in the incident is the definition of a mass shooting. Now, this headline said mass shooting, and that's what people have been talking about it. Um, that's how people have been characterizing it. Sorry, this headline doesn't say it, but people have been characterizing it as a mass shooting. Technically, it was not, I don't think, although I go on to clarify. To be fair, I don't know how many were injured. And this is something, so Jeremy worked alongside Governor DeSantis. <laughs> This lady says, I've been texting with DeSantis press secretary. I asked specifically if he plans to deviate away from his campaigning for president of the United States to go and fly to Jacksonville. And he said, we will let you know. He did, in fact, deviate from his campaigning. He's put his entire campaign on hold to address this. He went down to Jacksonville where he was booed by Democrats and in spirit by Team Trump. And she is now lying about what she said to his press secretary. So we're getting lies from the Trump. We're getting lies from the media and we're getting bad faith arguments and vitriol from team Trump. And honestly, that vitriol is half the reason that I'm not interested in what he has to say anymore. Because it's just disgusting. Like he's literally at a memorial for people who died in a shooting in Florida because he is the governor of the state. And they're just like, yeah, he should be booed. He's a terrible person. Whatever. I just found this particular shooting to be like handcrafted to try to make arguments in favor of gun control. In fact, some of the headlines coming out of this have been pointing out that these guns were in fact legally owned and pointing out that Florida does in fact have very loose gun restrictions. And Yahoo points out, which I thought was super interesting, or Yahoo has routed up this news article from Fox, which I thought was super, super good. Oh my gosh, I hate Yahoo's layout. Florida sheriff investigating racially motivated Dollar General shooting challenges anti-gun narrative, and here's how he did it. Jacksonville, Florida sheriff charged with overseeing the investigation into a racially charged mass shooting at a Dollar General dismantled the narrative that guns are to blame for the tragedy. The story is always about guns. It is the people who are bad, Jacksonville Sheriff T.K. Waters said during a press conference Sunday. This guy is a bad guy. If I could take my gun off right now and lay it on this counter, nothing will happen. It will sit there. But as soon as a wicked person grabs a hold of that handgun and starts shooting people with it, there's the problem. The problem is 
the individual. I am not going to name the shooter, but I will say the shooter, who is 21, is accused of carrying out a racially motivated shooting that killed three black Americans at a Dollar General in a predominantly black neighborhood of Jacksonville on Saturday, according to the authorities. He used an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle and a Glock handgun during the attack, according to the sheriff's office. Uh, this guy shot and killed himself during the shooting. The victims of the fatal shooting, including 52-year-old Angela Michelle Carr, shot in her car, Dollar General employee A.J. Laguerre, 19, who was killed trying to flee, and 29-year-old Gerald Gallian, a customer who was shot as he entered the store. The sheriff said there was no indication that the shooter is illegally obtained the guns used in the shooting and the gun dealers who sold him the firearms did so legally. Now, guns are a tool that people use to do horrible things. But it is the individuals that wield these things, so we are working hard to try to stop that. But in this situation, in this case, there was nothing illegal about him owning the firearms. Officials said Saturday the shooter had been involved once in a 2016 domestic violence incident and was once involuntarily committed to a mental hospital for examination. No further details were released on the matter. So, now that we've read that, and I found that all very interesting, all the different components, we're going to look at the box truck and that just so on the nose Nazi flag. Box. Let me see what I can find. Let me see if I can find that picture. Yep, they laid it out right by the truck. A U-Haul truck, a Nazi flag, and threats to kill the president. Have you ever seen a flag laid out like this? That's so interesting to me. Uh, Indian origin teen deliberately crashed into the White House saying he wanted to kill President Biden. He emerged from the truck after the collision waving a Nazi flag shouting as Secret Service and Park Police officers drew near. Mm-hmm. Deliberately crashed a rented U-Haul truck into a White House barrier, told authorities he wanted to get inside the mansion to seize power and kill the U.S. president. I don't know if you guys know this, but it actually happens pretty often that our fine, fearless intelligence agencies will reach out to these troubled young men and try to get them into serious trouble just like this. Let's see if I can find the story from, yes, The Intercept. Perfect. FBI agent groomed 16-year-old with brain development issues to become a terrorist. An undercover FBI agent befriended the teenager online. When he turned 18, he was arrested for supporting ISIS. And this has happened more than once. This most recent is from June of this year. And I happen to know it's, and here's another article from 2015, how the FBI created a terrorist. This happens consistently, okay? And it turns out when, <laughs> when you start to look into it, it's really interesting how all of these things check these ideological boxes. In fact, this is what Biden is saying just today. U.S. Intelligence Committee has determined that domestic terrorism rooted in white supremacy is the greatest terrorist threat we face in the homeland. Well, what else would you say after a shooting in Florida where the person who committed it actually put a, a literal swastika onto his gun? And uh, what can I say? It just fits together really well. And... um I like for things to fit together when I'm planning them, but I don't like for things to fit together quite this well when I'm reading the news. And I'm like, wow, that's 
That's convenient. That's crazy. That's really something. <laughs> Isn't that interesting that this guy had a a perfect Nazi flag and he's not a white supremacist because he wasn't even white, right? He was of uh, an in- Indian origin. Really, really interesting to me. And uh, apparently the grooming <laughs> and the encouragement must have really worked with him. I would encourage you guys to look into all of this stuff independently. I just personally think it's super interesting. I'm not saying for sure one way or the other. When Uvalde happened, I was talking about how we'd had instances of mass shootings in very blue parts of the country and in very red parts of the country. And it really felt like they were ramping up the narrative around guns. So like, it doesn't matter where, where you are in the U S you're going to run into this problem because we have a second amendment. Therefore we need to get rid of the second amendment. Now, one of the things we mentioned the other day, um, oh my gosh, I have the hiccups. one of the things we mentioned the other day was that if, um, I hear loud noises. Sorry. I just want to make sure it wasn't coming from outside. Um, one of the things that <laughs> now I've completely lost my train of thought. I'm just saying that I tend to look at the big picture and I'm like, okay, so what is a possible end goal that they could be trying to pull the strings on? Right. What is a, what is one way you could look at this that would say, well, it looks like they're trying to achieve this end goal that could make you a little bit conspiratorial if you follow it too too far. Now I have to say that with Maui, what I was saying one day, Alex Jones was saying the next. So I think that might make me a little bit possibly too much of a conspiracy theorist. Still a lot of questions surrounding Maui and we may never know the answers, but I would say stay suspicious. Trust no one. Always keep an eye on the deep state because they are constantly working on this kind of stuff. In fact, I kind of want to put together like a a thread full of articles about everything the FBI has done to brainwash people into committing these acts of violence. But we know all the way from MK Ultra that they were actually trying to convince people to do this stuff all the way back in like the 70s. This is not new, okay? They were literally trying to see if they could get people to do stuff that was against their own survival instinct. And the drugs they used for that, the drugs they found most effective for that stuff, stuff like LSD. Absolutely nonsense. Uh, you guys are discussing Vivek. Good for you. He's a very sharp man. I'm not entirely sure if he's fully ingenuous. Larry Elder is a white supremacist. I did hear that. Absolute nonsense. What happened in Maui? It was not Chinese space lasers, and I never said that. I said I think the government incompetence, the choice to lock down the roads so that people could not leave that led to their deaths, really suspicious. Basically, what I've been saying there is that I don't care um, for the rhetoric they're giving us about all the kids who vanished and were unaccounted for. Uh, I want to know why they shut down the doors. I didn't want to talk about it. As far as January 6th goes, I wanted to throw this out there that there is a lawyer here in Florida who is trying to use, I think, the 14th Amendment to make sure that Donald Trump can't run for president again because they have been very specifically using the term insurrection. And this is, in fact, laid out in the 14th Amendment. Anybody who has tried to incite or be part of an insurrection has to be out of running, right? This is exactly why they have used this precise term. Let me see if I can find that. Yeah, okay. So we go. Florida lawyer files challenge to disqualify Trump from the 2024 race, citing the 14th Amendment. Right. Because 
This is exactly why they consistently hammered the very specific term insurrection since the one since one six one six twenty twenty one for sure. Um, Kung says these false flags are poop starter to have us fight each other, divide and conquer. Also, groom future generation hate guns, spike the government, take two A away. Yes, there's very clearly an agenda here. Do I know what that agenda is? No, but I'm just saying we should probably all team up on the people who are trying to push these false flag type things on us. Now, as far as Maui goes, that wasn't a false flag. That was a very real fire. And as far as this mass shooting goes, or the shooting most recently in Jacksonville goes, that is not a false flag either. But the motivations behind this and the motivations of the people who are now capitalizing on this horrible tragedy, three lost lives, is just really awfully convenient. And I need to go through and find this article, but I was reading about how FBI agents were being told to fluff the numbers of white supremacists in the U.S. to push the narrative that white supremacy is the end of the world. That is the largest terroristic threat in the continental United States, which is, which is coincidentally exactly what Donald, uh, Donald Trump, Joe Biden is stay, saying today. Definitely for sure. 100%. All right, you guys, let's go. Uh, stop talking about conspiracy theories. Stevie says you can't have an unarmed insurrection. That's a con- contradiction of terms. Yeah. Really interesting how most of the left seems to believe that it was an armed insurrection, even though the only person who was in fact shot and killed during the insurrection was a Trump supporter. But that's asking a little bit too much of them to try and make sure that they're being fully honest about that. All right, you guys, I'm going to wrap it here. Thank you guys so much for joining me. It is now almost 8 p.m. Andy and I, I imagine, are about to go skate. If he has it in him, he's sore from yesterday. He skated for hours. We went all the way down to Miami, which was fun, but a long drive. So it was a full afternoon doing that. I think that uh, we will <laughs> we'll have a good evening. Dot and I always count the frogs whenever we go over to the skate park. Our highest number thus far, I think, is 10. The lowest number was last night with just three. Um, Andy says we're just asking questions. That's right. We absolutely are. If you guys haven't looked up Duncan Lemp, do so now. If you have any confidence left in the U.S. Andy is my husband, Autumn. That is correct. He's also my moderator and the guy who haunts the chat section. Good night, you guys. I will see you all tomorrow. Remember, our motto over here is stay safe, stay well, stay out of Target. Until next time. Bye, guys.